Good morning. Good morning. Welcome as we come to worship today uh, and a lovely bright, um, I suppose say summer's day, but it's certainly we're moving towards that trajectory. So uh, welcome as we come um, this morning. Um, this is the Sunday after Ascension. Um, Ascension is that day whenever we celebrate that the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again, but didn't just stay on earth. He ascended into heaven. He takes his rightful place at the right hand of God in his sovereignty and in his rule. Uh, reigns um, over the world. So all you gather here in person or online this morning, we bid you uh, a warm welcome as we hear uh, from the scriptures in Acts chapter 1. They gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to him, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but do you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you? And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from his sight. The disciples had questions. What did Jesus' unexpected resurrection mean for Israel? God's agenda was broader, and the disciples had an essential part to play in that. The Holy Spirit would soon give them the power to live out God's plan. The story of Jesus' ascension can feel like an ending, but the theologian Tom Wright reminds us that the story continues that we are a part of the same story. His Spirit lives in us and through us and is present with us today. And so we each have our part to play. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord, just as you breathed in your disciples, gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, would you breathe in us again? And in the quietness of this moment, we receive your Spirit. Thankful that you are present with us, that you are eternally sovereign in this moment as we gather together. May we give you our worship, our praise, and all that is worthy of your name. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Today's reading is from Galatians 4, verses 1 to 7. What I am saying it is, is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Thank you, Debbie. So we're continuing um, in our series, Born to be Free, uh, walking through the book of Galatians. Um, we're more than halfway through that book at the moment, um, so we'll be finishing up in a couple of weeks. Um, time with this series, but um, this has allowed us to look at what freedom is and what it means to be free in Jesus Christ. We saw already that true freedom does have boundaries, and that boundaries, uh, are, whenever they're good, are things that help us establish who we are and what we can do and what is fruitful and prosperous for us uh, in our lives. Boundaries that allow us to flourish and to grow. Um, there was a challenge about um, that concept of those, that lab that says what three words uh, gives you a precise and specific 
location. Um, uh, what three words identify us in our faith uh, with Jesus? We know that the Christian faith is identified by faith alone, grace alone, and through Christ alone. Last week we um, considered a number of things. One of the things we considered was that picture of an elephant that had been tied to a huge stake uh, and now it was only tied to a very small one. Looking at it, it seems ridiculous because the elephant could walk away quite easily. But it doesn't because it's been shackled and tethered to something that's got used to it. It's become comfortable, complacent, if you like, and no longer needs the huge thing in its life to hold it back. Asking the question, what holds us back in our freedom for Jesus? As we consider those things, uh, before we dip into chapter 4, let's just pause to pray. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. We know that full well, Lord. We know that your presence with us brings the fullness of your measure. And where the fullness of your measure dwells, then there is nothing lacking. Lord, maybe you open our hearts or ears or minds today to hear and to receive from you. Not my words, but your words speak depth and truth into our very being. Come, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence amongst us and inspire us in you, we pray. Amen. These first uh, four, seven verses of this chapter four, uh, we'll dip into some of it a little bit later uh, as well of the chapter, but these, we're only concentrating on these seven verses that Debbie uh, read for us, and thank you for that. Um, really talk about the difference between a slave and an heir. Uh, an heir, uh, I wonder what the difference between a slave and an heir really is. Uh, well, the dictionary definition says that an heir uh, is a person legally entitled to the property or indeed the rank of another person on the other person's death. Um, so an heir means that we receive something that we didn't necessarily work for. Um, we receive something that out of our own efforts, it wasn't something that we could create for ourselves. It wasn't something that we could accumulate for ourselves. We receive it as a gift from somebody else. A slave, uh, the dictionary definition of a slave is a person who has the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. And so we can see there's a, in one sense, on face value, there's a huge difference between being an heir and being a slave. An heir is that probably something that we would all want to be um, rather than being a slave, uh, rather than being the person who is legally owned by someone else and forced to obey them. That's not something that we would desire for ourselves. So whenever Paul says in Galatians 4, verse 1, he says, what I am saying is that as long as, an, uh, as, long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. So those two things are distinctly different. Why does the Apostle Paul say that in one sense there is no difference? Read that verse again. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from the slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to the guardians and the trustees until the time set by his father. So as a child, as someone who has an inheritance waiting from them from a wider family member, sometimes that's held in trust, is what Paul is saying. And you can't access it until you reach a certain age. And so in one sense, there is no difference between an heir and a slave because that moment of giving it to you and you, the ability for you to receive it hasn't actually come yet. And so you have to wait. You have to wait until the trust enables you to do it or indeed the person dies. 
and then the inheritance is granted to you. And that's where the gospel fits in. Because the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ comes to us because of his death. The freedom that we have in him comes because he died for us. He took away the penalty for our sin. Remember, sin is anything that we think, say, or do that displeases God. He took away that penalty, which is our own death. And he said, I am dying in your place on the cross. And in his death, he opens the inheritance that you and I have as sons and daughters of the Most High. No longer bound by the waiting. The disciples needed to wait until Jesus ascended to receive the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the guide. Not so for us. We walk in a different way. We walk in a different time. Verse 2, remember, he says, He is subject to the guardians and the trustees until the time set by the Father. So how do we receive this inheritance? This inheritance comes to us through the death of Jesus, as I've already said. But like in any inheritance, it needs to be received or accepted. So if a wider family member dies and leaves something in a will to you, um, there is a moment where it isn't truly yours until you go and sign for it and say that you're willing to receive it and accept it. Then all of the legal entities around it pass to you. The same is true with that good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ died for us that we might have an inheritance, we might have freedom in him, but we need to receive it. Often we walk in the inheritance, believing that it is there and it is true, but we have never truly accepted and received Jesus Christ as our Savior or Lord. And that's the moment where the inheritance that is bound in heaven for each one of us flows freely to us. See, verse 3 says, So also, whenever you were children, you were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of the sons. These are not the words of the preacher today. They're clear in the Scriptures. And it's because of Christ's death that you receive your inheritance and your freedom. And there is a beauty in that. It's horrific. The death was horrific. We know that. But there is a beauty in it because of everything that flows because of it. I wonder... Have you truly received Christ as Savior today? There are moments whenever we have walked with our Christian parents, we've grown up in our Christian homes. There are moments whenever we have traveled through our teenage years into our 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s. We've done all of those things that inherently make it look as if we're Christian we can speak the right words, we can say the right language, we can read our Bibles, we can come to church, we can live a good life. But as we saw over the last number of weeks, that's not enough. The Scriptures are clear. This is not the words of the preacher. The Scriptures are clear. Works does not get us to heaven. It is through the merits alone of Jesus Christ. 
And all those other things flow out of that moment. And so they go together, yes, but they flow out of it. Have you truly received Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life? Preacher asked that question of himself. I think that's something we, we should examine ourselves of on a regular basis because sometimes we allow that to slip. We allow ourselves to become Lord and commander of our own lives. We believe that we know what is right for us, our inheritance, how we can step into it without ever desiring or asking the Lord what he has for us. See, we receive the full rights of a child of God because of his death. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 um, says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we can also share in his glory. Abba, Father. I mean, you've probably heard the preacher at some stage, if you've been about church for any phase of life at all, that that word Abba literally means daddy. It's that intimate. It's that close. I know it's always dangerous whenever some of your children are still in the same room as you to use them as illustrations in sermons. But that's the danger of being a preacher's daughter. The look is coming from the back of the room already. Um, I know if one of my daughters says to me, Father, this is not going to be an intimately abiding close moment that is following the rest of that sentence. I know that if my daughters come to me and say, Daddy, that that's going to cost me. But I also recognize and realize that if they walk into your room or I walk into the room and they say, Oh, Dad, come here. That there's a moment of intimacy and affection in that moment, in that inflection of the voice, in that change of the tone, in that relationship. And that's exactly what the scriptures are encouraging our relationship to be like with our Father in heaven. And often we, whenever we pray, whenever we speak about God from the front, we use the word Father. We don't begin dear daddy in our prayers. But yet that's what the scripture is encouraging us to do even here in Galatians today, whenever in verse 6 it says, because you are sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts and the spirit calls out, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. I wonder, can you speak like that to the Lord Jesus Christ? To the one who is sovereign, the one who has ascended and on the throne today. Is there an intimacy in your voice whenever you come before his presence? Is there an intimacy in your prayers as you draw into his throne room? See, Paul puts it that way as well. He puts it in, in whenever he writes to the Romans and also to the Galatians. And so there is something inherently in the fact that Paul needs to teach the church 
be intimate with their Heavenly Father. I wonder, is that something we need to be reminded of today? We need to be intimate with our Heavenly Father in that space and place where we can sit down and say, Daddy. Verse 7 says, you, So you are no longer a slave, but you're a son or a daughter, a child of God. And since you're a son or a daughter, God has made you an heir. So what does that mean for you today? It means that you were born to be free. It means that freedom is at your fingertips. It means that the Spirit of God is hovering over your life. And in this moment, there may be questions in your head. There may be a flutter in your heart. There may be almost feeling like an upset in your stomach. A questioning around what is going on in this moment. Often that is the Holy Spirit at work in and through you and around you in this moment. Drawing you closer to Him. So what are we to do? We are to receive Christ as our Savior, as our Lord. We are to step into this freedom. We are to recommit our lives. We are to examine ourselves and ensure that we are in that place of intimacy with the Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, who allows us not to see him as someone who is aloof and set away up there somewhere, but as the one who sits beside us with his arm placed around us. Jesus told the story, didn't he, uh, of the parable of the lost son. The one who wanted, two sons, one who stayed at home. Um, he became rather grumpy, actually. He seemed to focus on the one that went away and came back. We don't often focus on the one that stayed at home and got really kind of grumpy and jealous a lot. Um, but the one who went away, he, he wanted all of his inheritance right there, right there. And he went off, and as we know in the parable, he squandered and wild living and all kinds of stuff. And he came to a point where he had absolutely nothing left. And then he came back. He rehearsed his line as he was coming back to the father. He rehearsed the line that he was going to say. He was so nervous about the reaction that his father would have. And if we can recall that story, what happened? The father was standing, waiting, looking, searching the skyline. And the father came running to meet him. That was unheard of, actually. Undignified in those days for, for the man to run. But he did. And he did it for a whole host of reasons. And one of them was this. That if the son who had spurred the family, spurred the father and the family, and effectively spurred his village, came back, the elders of that village could turn him away at the outskirts of the village. They could push him away and say he wasn't allowed to return. The father knew this. And so the father knew that the first person to meet the son had to be him. He had to throw his arms around him and he had to welcome him in because no one else could challenge it then if the father had welcomed him back. Our father, or daddy, welcomes us today. He runs to meet us with his arms open wide, throwing them around us, ensuring that no one else can say, you're not welcome. You can't be part of this. Because, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, we are more than conquerors him who loved us.
Let's try to grind this a little bit. If you came home, you were out tomorrow morning and you came home uh, and the postman had been in, on your mat, it was lying a, a letter, a little white envelope with a window in it. <laughs> Everybody loves them, don't they? Remember the ones with the windows in it? There was a stamp on top of it. And the stamp on top of it read some solicitor's name who you'd never seen before or known of before. And you opened that letter, uh, opened that envelope, and inside it was a letter from this solicitor's firm saying that, Dear Aunt Joe Mary, second, once removed, third times, never heard of, had died and left you £1.2 million. Pounds. <laughs> Die of a heart attack. <laughs> I would imagine there would be quite a few of us would lift the phone and phone the solicitor. I would imagine that a number of us, if not all of us, would want to visit the solicitor and sign to receive the money that was duly ours. Why do we hold back from receiving the inheritance that the Lord is laying before us today. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, as we still our hearts and our minds, as we clear the clatter and the clamor, as we create space for your spirit to work in our lives, give us courage. Courage to step forward and to step up into what you have for us. Courage to submit and to give our lives over to you. Courage to reflect and to examine ourselves to ensure that we are as close to you as we can be. let's pray as we close. And so as we leave this place, Lord, may our prayers be just the beginning. May our worship, Daddy, our time here, what we've learned and what we've discovered lead us into action for you. May our lives be full of worship every hour, every day. We ask in the name of Jesus, whose whole life was an offering of worship to you and who now sits ascended and on his throne in his rightful place. And so may the blessing of God, God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless one each one of us this day and forevermore.